Yeah, what is going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of From My Experience Podcast. Y'all can't see me, but I have a huge smile on my face because I'm excited about this episode. We'll get to that in a minute. But my first question to you, the audience, my wonderful, beautiful, fabulous listeners, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Are you feeling okay? Have you been taking care of yourself physically, mentally, and financially? I hope so. The world is a little bit wild right now. Not a little bit. It's a lot wild right now. We've been dealing with a lot. We've been seeing a lot. We've been exposed to a lot. So please, 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 as I always say on this show, take some me time, decompress, process, relax, Don't just sit in front of your TV or in front of your phone all day consuming all this crazy stuff that's happening. Sometimes you have to step away and like take a walk or exercise or cook a nice meal. You know, do something therapeutic for yourself, okay? Make sure you're taking care of yourself, man. Uh, Quick update. Oh, man. I got to give a shout out to Neo Davis. If you don't follow him on Instagram, follow him on Instagram. He posted something uh, basically how to turn your talent into three products. And he talked about how you can teach a master class, turn your master class into an ebook, and teach that class live, record yourself doing your presentation, and you can also offer it pre-recorded. And I almost cried. I almost cried because literally at that time, I was finishing up, well, still finishing up my podcast masterclass because y'all know, like I told you a couple episodes ago, I am going to be offering a course on how to start a podcast. I'm going to get you started off on the right foot. I've been doing this for a long time. This is episode 264, if I'm not mistaken. So I've made a lot, a lot of mistakes along the way and wasted a lot of time and money and I want to help other people avoid that. So I'm going to offer that masterclass and I'm also going to be offering an ebook. Once all that stuff is finalized and put together, obviously it'll be here. It'll be offered on our website, fmepodcast.com. So please be on the lookout for that. Uh, And lastly, don't forget to follow us. If you don't follow us, fme underscore podcast on Instagram from my experience podcast on Facebook and FME underscore podcast on Fanbase. That's really what I've been up to, y'all. That's what I've been up to the most. Um, And also just grabbing guests, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, let's pay some bills. Hey, y'all, it's me. It's Christian Jackson, your favorite licensed therapist. I have a quick question for you, and this is no shade. Are you still stuck in that same dating cycle? where you end up making choices that don't reflect who you are because you're turning into basically a chameleon, i.e. you mighty morph into whatever your new man or your new woman wants you to be. And your stomach is dropping and you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're not taking care of yourself. And yes, these are symptoms of anxiety. Relationships are the trigger and they hard and they sometimes suck. So what do you need? Five things that I have in the grace method where you can find how to move from being anxiously in love to being more confident in your relationships. Not just dating though, folks, because your kids may be walking all over you too and you need a voice and they need to hear it, right? Come to your grace space. I am building a community of like-minded women who want to get together monthly to discuss how to move from being anxiously connected to their relationships to being more confident just in themselves. And this accountability community will include the option of 
one-on-one therapeutic coaching calls with me, access to experts, and more, go to couchwithchristian.com. That is C-O-U-C-H-W-I-T-H-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N.com. Follow me on IG at couchwithchristian, and I'll see you there. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what? We have a special guest in the building, a friend of the show. She was on the podcast way back in 2018. Like, so much has changed. So much is different now. But she has been up to some spectacular things, and I cannot wait for her to share these things with you. But uh, I need to give her all of her flowers. So, ladies and gentlemen, mm, we have licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania and Florida, mm, Amazon best-selling author, consultant, coach, clinical supervisor. Wait, 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 wait. It gets even better. She was awarded the 2022 Community Changer Award by Clinicians of Color. Best Mental Health Services in Wincote. Okay, in Wincote, Pennsylvania for 2022. And Woman of Distinction in Mental Health Counseling for the State of Pennsylvania for 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, she is the owner and clinical director of McPherson Clinical and Consulting Services, Ms. Jennifer McPherson. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I missed you. Now, I missed you too. Um, And as you all know, the last episode was actually inspired by her when she posted about green flags. I loved it so much. And I was like, why have I not been in touch? Let me reach out immediately. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen. How have you been, Jennifer? I've been tired. It's been a lot since I last saw you. A lot has been happening in the world and in mental health and into practice and everything. Oh. Yeah. When I when I looked at what you've been up to and I looked at when our we had our last conversation and everything that has happened in the world since then, I was like, oh my God, her career field must have changed. Well I was teaching at the time, so I'm like that's probably one career field that's changed far more than mine did at the time. And I could only imagine just the pivots and, and changes you had to make. So that is actually the question I want. Well, first of all, I'm sorry. How are you besides busy? Busy, blessed, tired, and thankful to be here and thankful just to you know what, get the word out about mental health. People think I'm a nerd, but this is one of my favorite things to talk about mental health, but especially BIPOC mental health, because it needs so much more recognition and shine that it gets because it matters so, so much. What is BIPOC mental health for the people who don't know out there? BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Um, And I assume through our conversation we'll be talking way more about that but i specialize in treating that specific population because our experiences 
may look a little bit different compared to our counterparts. So we may use different interventions, different styles, and making sure that people in that community are getting the gold standard of care and making sure that is actually a standard and not just a myth that you can find a good therapist as well too we want to make this something that is just the norm for people that look like you and me that it definitely needs to be the norm uh especially now that i'm older and i've kind of looked at how the world has shifted and even just having time to sit and reflect on my life and some of the stuff that i actually went through and did i kind of get i don't know the right word suppress, repress, whatever those memories, they're there. And then like, as of really recent, they've been coming up. They haven't affected me negatively, but it's like, Hey, you went through that. Like maybe you need to talk to someone about it or deal with this. And now I feel way more open and comfortable doing that now because of people like you. And just because of how much mental health is just talked about and how much therapy and counseling and things of that nature are just encouraged instead of the, oh, let me bottle it up, bottle it up, like and be a tough black guy. And you know what I'm saying? Just tuck my feelings in and man up like that stuff don't work. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work um and it's actually very unhealthy so um yeah i totally agree with what you're saying like some of those experiences are just they're just different and unique to us and it would definitely be more beneficial to sit down with someone who can understand that so yeah thank you for the work that you do you're so welcome thank you okay the biggest question i have for you honestly just thinking about the last time we spoke, which was 2018, since then, the pandemic happened. The world mm -hmm. shut down, and people had to just be at home, and that just created, I think that was just eye-opening and created so many problems for so many people. Just I think the financial burden is what really crushed people, because businesses weren't prepared to compensate people for work that they literally couldn't do and everyone had to shift to a digital model and there's like another technology boom and people are really just trying to figure a lot of things out i'm so thankful to god that i just happened to be in a profession where they're like hey we gave everyone computers you already have a computer here's this software you're gonna teach like this just from the comfort of your home cool so i, I wasn't as deeply impacted as some other people, but, um, and I'm an introvert too. So like, that was almost like heaven for me. Like, <laughs> like I can just teach in my pajamas. I don't have to be around people. Oh my goodness. I loved it. But I could only imagine what that could have been like for people who are social butterflies or people who needed to go out to get things done, to make a living for themselves. And people who may have been in, you know, counseling sessions or seeing therapists and things like that. And now it's like, okay, I can't come see you. Now what? So those are just some of my thoughts. But how did the pandemic impact what you do? So transitioning to solely telehealth during the pandemic was actually kind of easy for me. Um, when we last met, it was 2018. And I think at that time I was still working full-time in my full-time job and I had just started my practice part-time and my practice at the time was completely virtual. And back in 2018, therapists were so against virtual models. It was something that was taught. It had been researched. 
we saw that it was just as beneficial as in-person care, but people were up in arms against it. And I was virtual because I was just starting out. I worked full time. My office was the spare bedroom of my apartment, but it also increased access uh, for me to see people who may wanted to see me after they got off of work. Maybe they had kids, maybe they were another part of the state from me. So I was very used to telehealth. And then in 2019, I went hybrid where I did a blend of in-person mm-hmm. and a blend of telehealth. So when 2020 came and the pandemic hit, most of my clients, I want to say about 90% had some exposure to telehealth or seeing me on the computer at least one time. So when I had to make the call and say, hey, guys, it's kind of dangerous because we don't know what's happening with this virus and we're going to go telehealth everyone transitioned very easily. The downside of that was that now that we know that COVID took a toll on people financially, emotionally, mentally, and physically, I swore at the beginning of COVID that my business was going to go down the drain. I had just quit my full-time job. I was going into private practice full-time. I'm like, this is all I'm gonna do, but the opposite happened business boomed and I could not keep up with demand. I think the early stages of COVID, I was getting about 50 phone calls and emails a week. What? Come in and I was, it was just me at the time. I didn't have other therapists and I'm just like, what am I supposed to do? So many people need therapy and I can't do it. <laughs> so I knew that I always wanted to have a group practice. I just didn't really plan when. So I was like, okay, this might be the time to expand to a group practice and have the option of people working remotely until we can safely see people and we figure out this whole COVID thing. So the group practice was actually born out of COVID. Um, And we're what in 2023 now. So about three years later, um there's not just me anymore there's six of us wow we are all BIPOC clinicians uh right now we are all women um and we do a a hybrid model it's safe enough to see people in person from our office in Winco but we still offer the virtual model because we service people throughout the entire state uh, people have known us as being a BIPOC-focused practice and an LGBT-friendly practice as well, too. So we attract people from all over, and we're doing the work, and we're just making sure that people get the care that they deserve, and that should be the standard and the norm for them. And I'm so proud of my team. I love them to death. I want to spoil them to death because they have the same passion that I do, and they do some amazing things day in and day out taking care of people i gotta give you a round of applause hold on (laughs) wow (laughs) wow so you just y'all just like formed voltron like y'all just formed this super mega awesome foundation and and just safe space for people to be able to come to you and just get what they need specifically um and it's funny that (laughs) that leap of faith of leaving your full-time job and saying all right i'm gonna do this full-time and then boom it's like oh crap wait what's gonna happen oh wait an influx that i can't handle (laughs) like that's that's a good problem to have i'm glad it turned out that way for you and i'm glad you're able to build a team 
around you as well. That's a beautiful thing. And man, I was about to ask you if you're hiring the way you, I want to be spoiled. <laughs> we are hiring. Actually, we are, uh, we have ads out. We're looking for more therapists to add to our team. Um, this spring slash summer, we have two interns that will be joining us from Chestnut Hill College to help us provide sliding scale services for those that are either uninsured or underinsured that will be supervised and overseen by myself as well, too. So making sure we're increasing our reach for people who might not be able to afford services as well, too. So the goal is to try to touch as many people as we can to help them out. And all of us have different specialties, so we all can help out in different ways as well, too, which is what I love about my team as well. All of us are different as well. Okay. Well, there you go. They are hiring. Uh, now, if someone wants to uh, get services from y'all, do they need to be in Pennsylvania? Um, it depends on the therapist that is the best fit for you. So what we have found is what we do is we do a complimentary consultation, absolutely free where we talk to you, we get to know you, we get to understand a little bit of what's going on, and then we match you with the therapist that has specializations and skills based off of what you're experiencing that will be able to help you the most. And by doing that, instead of just, okay, we got your information via email, you go to this person, you go to that person, people actually have higher success rates and better relationships with their therapists as well too. Um, some of our therapists are licensed in multiple states. Some are just Pennsylvania. So it really does vary. Um, but at the end of the day, the core right now is just to make sure people get the best services. But you know what? If I continue growing, hopefully I can take over the country. <laughs> I'll be all over the United States. Perhaps, perhaps. That'd be a good thing. I mean, you know. Uh, people be able to go to just one place or you be that one safe haven where people know they can go to you and just get put with the right person. I think that's just such a huge, huge important thing. I think that's one of the things that prevents people from going to seek help sometimes because they're like, well, they're not going to understand me. Like, I don't want to sit across from this old white woman or this old white man, this, that, and the third. Like, a lot of people are just more comfortable, I believe, with someone that looks like them. So, yeah, definitely. I, I can definitely understand and see that. Uh, you touched on something that I definitely, uh, hopefully you can give more insight on this. Um, so you talked about the initial, I guess, consultation that's free. So I'm just speaking from the perspective of someone who has never been to therapy, never seeked any type of help. What does that look like? What does that sound like? What are some of the things that you ask if you can share that? Um, so in our process, people always laugh at me when I talk to them during the consultation. They're like, I don't know how to answer that. I'm like, just be yourself. This is a no pressure. <laughs> phone call. But I ask you, you know, one, how are you really? Um, what has been going on in your life? And can you give me insight into what's been going on and how we can help you? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we always ask, what are you looking for in a therapist? And some people are surprised by that question. Like, wait, I get a choice. That surprised me just now. <laughs> some people about 70%, 70 percent of phone calls. I probably want to say people are kind of nervous about saying, I want a black therapist. I'm like, I can do that. Don't be nervous about that. Cause all of us are somewhere within that spectrum in this practice right so you can say that you want a black therapist you can say that you want a woman you can say that you want a christian therapist you can say that you want someone of 
uh, Caribbean descent or Nigerian descent or whatever it may be, you name it, we most likely have it at this moment. Nice. So stating what you need, and that's something that we actually teach our clients, communicate what they need, because while we are therapists, we're not mind readers. So communicate with us. We encourage that from the initial consultation call, like, what do you need? So we make sure that we are able to give it to you. Um one of the things that sometimes people are surprised about, because this is a big thing in my field, we take insurance. So I'll ask, do you plan on using your health insurance? And if so, what is your health insurance? And okay, this is your health insurance. We're going to verify your benefits for you to see what is covered so that you have full disclosure about what you are responsible for. And we don't charge for that either. And we give you that information for you to use it however you may need to use it currently or in the future, as long as you still have that same insurance plan. And then once we do kind of like all of the logistics, we also figure out, okay, well, what does your schedule look like for sessions? Right now, the new question is, do you prefer in-person or virtual since the world is kind of opening back up a little bit? Yeah. And we get people set up for their first session. And I may answer questions like, what, what questions do you have for us? And some people are taken back like, wait, I can ask you questions. I'm like, of course you can ask me questions. I'm like, I've never heard of such things, but okay. Like, you know, if you've never been to therapy before, you might ask me, what is therapy like? I'll do my best to explain what therapy is like. The person you're matching me with, what are they like? I'll explain what they're like and I'll give you a link to their bio so you can see their face and learn about them before you actually get to see them as well too. So starting by really making people comfortable with the thought of therapy before they have their actual first session, I think is so important because this field is already one, so stigmatized and two, it's even more stigmatized amongst people of color and creating that comfort really sets up a great relationship and a great view of therapy from the jump, man. Oh. Wow. I, just, I feel more open just listening to what you just said. That's so warm and inviting. So those of you out there who've been on the fence, you're scared, you don't know, maybe, possibly, eh, I don't want them in my business. You just heard it from an award-winning licensed professional counselor, okay? It's a nice, warm intro, and honestly, it's necessary. You know, I think one of the, the biggest benefits, because I've had therapy sessions, is just being able to open up unapologetically and just let it out without fear of judgment, without fear of it coming back up later in some type of argument or it being weaponized against you, just being able to speak freely about what's going on in your in your mind in your heart whatever's going on with you is a great feeling so there you have it i really hope that y'all take advantage of this you know if you need it and if it's not you recommend somebody else that's really dope and you you touched on man do you have a copy of my notes you touched on something that i actually <laughs> I, i'm gonna give you a chance to really let loose because you touched on it what are some misconceptions um, or what did I have here? Yeah. What are some misconceptions that you want to clear up about what it is that you do? Because like you said, like a lot of people just, there's a lot of people have opinions. Everybody has an opinion now, but not a lot of the facts. So what are some common misconceptions that you hear that you know of that just aren't true when it comes to what you do? Oh man, we can, we, it's going to be a long episode. We're going to be here on that. <laughs> um, top five, top five. <laughs> top five. We are not mind readers. While we do deal with the mind, 
And sometimes the brain, depending on our training, we can't know what people are thinking. So that's why we encourage open communication. And by having open communication, it really starts off with the relationship. So therapy at its core is really about a relationship with a professional that is able to be objective about the things that you are experiencing. That is first and foremost. I think number two is that therapy, um, there is a level of confidentiality when it comes to therapy. Um, we can't go out on the block and tell everybody your business right now. <laughs> but there are ways in which we do break confidentiality, but it's more so for safety concerns. Like if you are at risk of harming yourself or anyone else, mm -hmm. all of us are mandated reporters. So if there's real or suspected um, abuse that's going on, we are legally mandated to make those reports in order to keep everyone safe and get people help. Um, in weird situations, if records are subpoenaed, sometimes we have to divulge that information, sometimes we don't. But for the most part, therapy is between you and your therapist. So it really is a safe space. Whereas, you know what, maybe there are some things you can't talk about with your partner, your friend, your family, or whomever it may be. This time and space is for you to get that stuff out in the open no judgment with someone that you have a relationship with and someone that can understand where you're coming from. So I think that would be number two. Number three, um, there are therapists that do take insurance. It's work a little bit harder to find, but there are therapists that do take insurance. Um, and the reason why it might be hard to find a therapist that take health insurance is just because insurance companies don't do right by medical professionals in general, but they really don't do right by mental health professionals in general. They make it really, really hard for us to even get set up with insurance. So some people don't even want to deal with the hassle mm. or you know what, they might not be um, reimbursed adequately for their time and skill, but there are therapists out there that do uh, take insurance. Um, another misconception is that, you know what, it might be impossible to find a therapist that looks like you. Um, mm -hmm. It is hard. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, currently, the last time I looked at the statistics, I think that uh, Black therapists make up about 4% of the mental health field. What? Which is very low. Um, but there are so many more people going through schooling and getting trained and getting supervised and getting licensed that that number is starting to grow. Um, and by no means am I supported by uh, this website that I'm about to drop. But if you are looking for a therapist of color, I love therapy for black girls. Even if you are a guy, you can use it as well too, but it is a great place to find a therapist of color because it is dedicated to having a directory that features only therapists of color so that you can find someone that maybe you resonate with as That's well dope. too. Um, what was that, four? What yeah. number am I on? Five, last one. <laughs> last one, um, that you have to be crazy to go to therapy. I hear that one a lot. No, you don't need to be crazy to go to therapy. Hmm. You are human to go to therapy. Being human is hard. Yeah. Being human <laughs> with a handbook. Um, so sometimes we just have these very human moments that are very hard. As a therapist, I've been to therapy myself. I'm not ashamed to admit that. And sometimes we need someone else to help us through those very human moments that we might be struggling with 
and that help is available and that the more that we learn how to access it and normalize it the better that care can get for everyone there you have it ladies and gentlemen debunking the misconceptions okay and if you don't know ask questions i'm pretty sure you're linked to somebody on social media that does this or you probably know somebody ask the questions that's highly important that's what that's why i ask these types of questions on the podcast i don't know and this is why i reach out to professionals and have them on so they can give you all the information and also give me the information because i don't know and i don't want to assume because you know what they say about assuming i'm gonna leave that right there (laughs) i'm gonna switch gears on you a little bit so we talked about you know kind of what you've been up to and how the pandemic affected you on a professional level, but how did it impact your life personally? Ooh, so I was one of those people that were in the small part of the population where when they said we were going to be home for two weeks, because in the very beginning, it's like, oh, two weeks and the world will be fine. I was like, ooh, I get to spend two weeks at home and rest and sleep. <laughs> And then we quickly found out, oh, it's not two weeks and we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I fell in love with being in the house, even though I was terrified of like, is this going to turn into The Walking Dead? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, I ain't gonna lie. I kind of had some thoughts like, hold up. Is this it? (laughs) If people start sneezing, I cough and I'm running. Yeah. Um, So... I really took the time to really take care of myself. Um, And people that know me or people that know me as their therapist know that I hate the word self-care. I hate the word self-care because self-care sounds like an afterthought. You're taking care of yourself after something has happened and now we're trying to hurry up and fix it. Mm -hmm. I hate that word. I think it's a trendy word. So I am a proponent of preventative care. How do you prevent yourself from burning out, getting stressed out, getting to the point where you just can't take it anymore. And I was like, ooh, I can focus on my preventative care and bake bread and do yoga. You did not use one of them people baking bread? Well, my husband, he bought me a uh, kitchen stand mixer, so I couldn't help it. (laughs) And he bought it in the Tiffany blue color. And I'm like, ooh, I'm going to make some bread. I think he did it more for himself, but whatever. Um, So I was one of those bread people. I'm sorry. But it's more so I got to practice my preventative care skills, but also in doing that, I was like, hmm, how can I talk about preventative care versus self-care to my clients during this very stressful time where we don't know what's going to happen to any of us? And that is why a lot of my clients know me as saying, I hate self-care. I hate the word self-care. I hate the whole trendiness behind it. And everyone should have a preventative care plan about how you live your life and take care of yourself on just on a regular basis. I mean, doctors talk about preventative care when they talk about get seven to eight hours of sleep, drink enough water, exercise, have a healthy diet, drink in moderation, blah, blah, blah. Why can't we have a preventative uh, care plan and mental health as well, too? Because everybody's too busy trying to do what's trending and what everyone else is doing. And it's funny. Uh, the podcast is the only thing I make an, an exception for. Tuesdays is my, I'm going to use your word, preventative care day. I don't do any, normally, I don't do anything laborious on Tuesdays. Like, my phone is on do not disturb the entire day. Like, 
I treat Tuesdays like a Saturday. Like, don't bother me. I love that. I, love that. <laughs> I have to do that because the weekend typically isn't enough. And the weekend is typically when I'm playing catch up to work and business. So that gets mixed in. I did work today because I am working on my master class and I had to go proofread something to send it back for revisions. But I did do that. But the rest of the day, I was absolutely chilling. I texted someone. I was like, yo, I need help with something. And they texted me like 10 minutes later, like, hey, I tried to call you. And I was like, oh, shoot, I got to put you on my do not disturb exception list because I forgot it was Tuesday because I was just in the zone. But whatever that is, y'all, please make sure you're doing it. And you don't have to make any exceptions to that rule. Like, it is your life and you have to do it for your benefit. Like, I really do it for my benefit and, you know... I follow a lot of business gurus. Some of them say you ain't supposed to be sleeping. You need to be working on this. You need to do that when you get off your full-time job. And I'm like, well, all right, cool. None of that's happening on Tuesday. And I'll live with the consequences. But I tell you what, I'm much more well-rested. I'm a lot, I have my stress load is a lot lighter. And it just feels good knowing that I can wake up on that day knowing I don't have to overdo it. Because if I'm going all the time, I just never, I never feel like I can stop and I just, it becomes unhealthy and it's caused problems in other areas in my life. And that was something I recognize. And I'm like, yo, I'm just going to pick a day. I don't know how it ended up being Tuesday, but I was like, I'm going to pick a day where like, it's my day. It's my day. Sorry. It's my day. You'll get over it. You can get at me tomorrow. You'll be fine. So whatever that thing is for you, please do that y'all. Please do that. And another thing to add to that, people think that self-care or preventative care, as I like to call it, think that uh, it has to cost money. You do not have to spend a dime to make some of these changes in your life that are going to benefit you in the long run. It does not have to cost a lot of money. It doesn't really have to cost you anything. Just giving yourself the space and time to really clear yourself, process, or give yourself the peace of mind, you can do that for free just to figure out what really works for you. Ladies and gentlemen, are y'all are y'all writing these nuggets down? Are y'all taking this down? Are you are you ingesting the conversation? I really hope that you are because it's. I just feel better talking to you and hearing this, and it's just reaffirming what I've been doing and what I'm thinking moving forward. I love it. I love it. Uh, so let's get into something that we talked about before we hit the record button. And, you know, the last episode I talked about green flags, but when we were talking off mic, uh, there's a lot of other flags. So, you know, as I said earlier in the show, you know, Miss McPherson here was the one who inspired me to do an episode about green flags based on the green flags that she shared on Instagram. So talk to us about the green flags and, you know, the origins of this and, you know, the other flags. All right. So... I was introduced to the theory of flags in general by Pia Melody, who is a researcher along with her husband that studies codependency, trauma, and relationships and attachment theory. Um, If you're not familiar with Pia Melody's work, um, two of her books are my favorites, uh, Facing Love Addiction, and the other one is Facing uh, Codependence. Uh, In both of those books, she talks about flags. But starting with red flags, since that one is the most popular in our culture, I think everyone knows what a red flag is. A red flag tells you to stop, hold up. This is a warning sign. And when we see red flags in relationships, and when I say relationships, it can be romantic, it can be platonic, it can be work-based, friendships, whatever it may be. 
we often get hyper-focused on those red flags that we get so stuck on the negativity that people can contribute to our relationship and that we kind of disengage from relationships either for good reasons and sometimes the wrong reasons but red flags are a warning sign that hey you know what something is not right something is not healthy and that you know what we should not pursue this or go further with this yep now another type of flag is a yellow flag think of like a stop sign yellow it means caution it means you know slow down in Philly, uh, yellow light means hurry up and go, but we're not going to be <laughs> Definitely. I live in Philly. I love Philly. Go birds. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> but yellow just means proceed with caution. Investigate this a little bit more. Take your time. Learn more about this. Green flags, what I posted, which does not get enough love and recognition. Green flags are the way that we really express the good parts of a relationship, the good parts of ourselves, find the good parts of people. And it's really how humans express love. Uh, you talked about checking in with people, making sure that people are okay, mm -hmm. um, asking questions, thinking about people, right? Yeah. And those green flags, those are the ones that we really want that really makes, gets us going and lets us know, okay, these are the healthy parts of a relationship that we should really focus on. Yep. Now, one that we don't talk about quite enough, and not if a lot of people know about this theory, is painting a red flag white. Ooh. Meaning, oh, I see the red flag, but I don't want to see it. Let me let me paint this bad boy white, right? Guilty! Guilty! Kind of like um, I saw a meme where it's like, oh, he gave me a dozen roses, but there were really a dozen red flags. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't see that flag. one. I did not see <laughs> I'll send it to you if I can find it. I'll message you. Um, but we paint them white because we don't want to see those negative things. And we're really trying hard to see the good, maybe the green that might be there, but we're ignoring the red. We do have to acknowledge the red flags when we do see them. But we also need to acknowledge other flags as well, too, because I think as a society, we've gotten so hyper-focused and so closed off from connection that we've kind of forgotten how to connect also during the pandemic by yes. looking for negative and the bad as well too in order to heal from the pandemic because this was a uh, communal trauma that i think that we all experienced we need to learn about the things that can help us heal from that trauma and part of that is learning about the good parts of other people and society in general one thousand percent thank you for sharing that about the flags um y'all stop painting these flags white you you touched on something that I got to see the worst part, well, some of the worst parts of, which is like that that trauma shock of, hey, like there's no more no more social interaction. And I was born in the 80s. I'm 38 now, so I came from the era of house phones and three and four hour conversations. So I'm used to that. So like I would call friends and we'd be on the phone for hours. I actually just talked to a friend a couple weeks ago. Shout out to Tasha Carter. We were on the phone for like literally five hours. Like we were just talking and catching up and talking. I looked at the phone. And I was like, dang. And we laughed and we kept talking some more. But what I saw happen was when we went back, when I went back to teaching was how it impacted the kids because those kids didn't grow up like that. They, they'll sit next to each other and talk through the phone via text instead of looking to the person next to them and actually having the conversation with the person that they're currently texting or messaging within the game system. It's crazy. So when they came back, 
we had behavior issues and things like that because they literally just, I was teaching sixth grade. So you're really just learning a lot of those. All right, I got to learn to interact with people and deal with people type deal because you're not in elementary school anymore. So you're not, you're not babied as much. And it was rough. And I'm like, yo, like I had to teach them some very basic rudimentary skills. Like, hey, you shouldn't treat people like this. You can't talk to people like this. And I understand you went through the pandemic and you're used to having all these things to yourself. And now you're back in the community. Now you have to share. And I had to relearn a lot of concepts and I had to reteach some things that I thought they already knew. But when you when you were talking about like just that that community aspect being disrupted, that was really crazy. But I feel like it's getting a bit better. Uh, social media does have some upsides with some of these challenges. We had some fun around the challenges. Uh, Mr. Wilson got invited to some challenges. I politely declined. You're not about to put me on your social medias. Uh, <laughs> I did politely decline, but yeah. So whew, that pandemic, I tell you, is just but all right. Flags, pandemic. We talked about a lot of stuff. I want to get more into some of the things you touched on, some of your preventative care. So, uh, yoga? I yoga. I became a yogi, man. Wait, that's uh, what it's called? Well, now, now if we want to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gender neutral yogin. Um, but prior to the pandemic, I had started experimenting with aerial yoga, being up in the air with the ribbons, oh. like the singer pink. And I was like, oh, this is fun and everything shut down. I'm like, okay, I can't do it anymore. Um, but during the pandemic, I was like, oh, well, I kind of want to get more into it. Let me go to YouTube. So I got into it on YouTube. And then as things started opening up, I found a yoga uh, yoga studio near my house. Shout out to Dawn at Mother Heart Shangha, um, who I love and adore. That has taught me so much about yoga in a non-oppressive uh social justice oriented way oh that has been part of my preventative care and i probably practice yoga one to two times a week and it also has taught me a lot about meditation more than what i knew before and i meditate once a day for my own sanity nice so that is a little piece of my preventative care plan on top of checking in with my friends mostly by the phone because I am also an 80s baby as well too uh, we text but not as much as like my younger nephew who does not know how to use a phone apparently what oh my god you try putting this boy on the phone it's like pulling teeth <laughs> I gotta talk to this person no like I'm your auntie like I literally had to get a ps5 to message this boy like come on <laughs> <laughs> And I still don't know how to use this PS5 because I grew up with like Nintendo and Sega and I think I stopped at PlayStation 2. So when I had to jump from that to a five, I was like, I am in culture shock. This is a lot. <laughs> it is. It, you know, it is a lot. Like, I'm so thankful. I never put the games down. So I've had every generation, but it is a lot. But I mean, it's like everything else Else now. It's, it's mostly digital. You, you buy a subscription so you can play online and you just go to the virtual store and buy what you want to play. But that is sometimes part of my care. After a stressful day, I will uh, go on and play my old, I'm, I'm going to sound old, my Crash Bandicoot and my Spyro the Dragon. <laughs> you are not playing Spyro. You know what? Those are classics. I, I can't even. I, 
they're, they're classics. If y'all don't know what Crash Bandicoot, y'all should know what Crash Bandicoot is. He's had other games. They and, know what Crash Bandicoot I is. Say. Spyro, I don't know. Yeah. They did re-release the trilogy, which I meant to buy. Maybe go look and see if that's in the store tonight. But okay, get your game on. That's what I do. I'm a huge gamer. Not not as much as I used to be, but yeah, that is my my release. And people always say, oh, I can't believe you do that. And you're so old and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, one, it's inexpensive. Two, uh, yeah. Two, well, you, not that I'm old, but it's like you're too old for that. People, Some people think it's childish, but I'm like... It's inexpensive. It's inexpensive. I can do it from the comfort of my home. I can play with friends, and most of the time we're having like real life conversations while we're gaming. Um, and it's just it's fun. It's an escape. It's a nice escape. I get to see universes, and I get to enjoy the art. Like that's the other thing people miss with gaming. Like someone sat down and conceptualized this thing and built a team and they put this thing together and now they're presenting their art and telling a story to you that you get to jump inside of and be a part of. That is the dope part of gaming. Like I love cinematic experiences within my gaming. So y'all got me going deep here, but <clears throat> I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna stop there. Um how was acupuncture? I was terrified at first. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, oh, you're going to put a bunch of needles in me. But they're the tiniest, skinniest little needles. You don't even feel them going in, to be very honest with you. Hmm. Um, and I have been doing acupuncture almost two years now. What? Yeah. How often? I go about once a week. Um, shout out to the barefoot doctor also in Philadelphia as well, too. She offers sliding scale services and she is someone that is also very trauma informed about help. Yeah. Can't talk about helping people that may be, uh, dealing with mental health issues and how acupuncture can really assist with the healing process with that as well, too. So I started doing acupuncture full disclosure for anxiety and I'm like, mm, I'm just going to try because I've read about it. I heard about it from other people. I'm like, how are these little needles going to help me? And she was like, okay, give it a few sessions because your body has to like get used to it, of course. So I gave it a few sessions and that is why I go once a week because <laughs> being a therapist can sometimes be hard because I am primarily a trauma therapist. So I hear people's trauma day in and day out. So in yeah. order to decompress and take care of myself as part of my preventative care plan, Acupuncture is also part of my plan that I make sure that I do on a regular basis to help minimize my stress mm -hmm. so I can be present for my clients, my friends, my loved ones, and myself. Um, I know that acupuncture is not for everyone. It can be a little scary, but for people who might not like the needles, there is acupressure, pressing on certain points of the body mm. to get that release and that stimulation as well too so I do recommend that as well um another thing that I learned from my acupuncturist is seed therapy um okay I know this isn't a video podcast so the people can't see that I have like these little sticky things inside my ears I don't oh, know if you can see that on camera. I can see that um they're little seeds what and <laughs> tiny little black seeds and they stay on for like three four days but they put them in the ear because there are certain points in the ear that can 
connect with the brain and slow down the production and the flow of cortisol, which is the stress hormone ah. and relieve anxiety and depression and stress. And there's other points in the ear that they can use like for certain autoimmune disorders and health issues as well too. What? So there's seed therapy and it does not hurt. It is literally putting a sticker in your ear. It's the tiniest little thing. So since it's so little, um, you need like little tweezers just to like make sure you stick it down and it sticks. Mm -hmm. And you keep it like three to four days and you get that pressure and that stimulation and it really helps and it's really therapeutic. So I really yeah. encourage people to seek out not just therapy, but there's other modalities out there that are holistic that can be beneficial just for our overall healing as well, too. So I'm a big fan of those as well. <laughs> you so <laughs> I can tell you've been taking care of yourself. You like the moment you got on camera, you were immediately, immediately relaxed, cool. And now you're talking about your preventative care, which I'm jealous of. I need more outside care like you. Um, one of the things I need to do is get back in the gym, getting a little fluffy. But uh, <laughs> the, the gym was really good for me. The gym was really good for me. But I do want to try acupuncture. And I'm just so glad that you're taking care of yourself. I think that's another misconception. I know we did five, but... Licensed professional counselors, they take care of themselves too. They have experience with the services that they offer, y'all. Okay? Like, I'm going to challenge that one on you. I'm going to challenge that one. Challenge it. You know, I think one of the things that we need to change in this field, and this is from observing graduate programs and how we are training our young therapists or people that are trying to be therapists we don't reinforce enough that people that do this type of work actually need to take care of themselves. We're more so taught that we have to take care of others. Mm -hmm. So whenever I take on supervisees or students, one of the things that I reinforce when I work with them, how are you taking care of yourself? What is your preventative care program? Because I promise you, if you do not have one, there will come a time that you will experience burnout and you might not want to be in this field anymore. I have been there personally. It will come if you don't do it, I promise. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important that licensed professional counselors, licensed clinical social workers, licensed marriage and family therapists, all the alphabet soup that is out there, all the healers, <laughs> that we have a way in order to take care of ourselves in order to do this type of work because it's healing work. It's energy work. We put a lot of energy and time into this work. And even though we may be sitting in a chair most of the day, these days behind a computer, it takes a lot out of you. So you do have to take care of yourself. And I really, really reinforce that with people. Take care of yourselves, y'all. Y'all heard it here. Um, you answered another question. Well, part you partially answered a question, another question that I have, which is, you know, you have your acupuncture, you have yoga, but what else do you do to kind of decompress and just deal with? Because, you know, you're hearing trauma. I could imagine the stuff that you hear and the amount that you hear, and then it, you're humans, right? So you can't just go home and be like, oh, you know, hey, how was your day? Like, you carry it with you. So what are some other things you do to make sure that, you know, it doesn't become too personal or I guess, what am I trying to say? So that it doesn't like, what are some other things you do to prevent that burnout or to say, you know, mm, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. or I can't take another conversation like this. 
uh, because just not being in your field, sometimes that's tough just day to day when you have those friends who just, we, <laughs> for lack of a better term, uh, just dump on you. Like they just call you and give you all their problems and everything What's that's wrong. Dumping? Huh? Emotional dumping. Yeah. Like what are some good, what, how, what are some other things you do to deal with that? And what are some things that we can do on our end? Even though I am a therapist, I think I mentioned I have my own therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I am licensed so I can practice independently, but I still have a relationship with my clinical supervisor from when I was pre-licensed. Wow. So if ever there is an issue that I need to process and discuss with her that is more in a professional matter, I still have access to her. Shout out to Wendy. I love you to death. I journal. Um, if you could see the stack of notebooks that I have, um, Rite Aid and CVS and Walgreens have gotten a lot of my money just in stationery. <laughs> I am an avid uh, bookworm, whether it is an audible book or a regular book. And I also do this thing that I encourage with my clients, understand your circles, Understand who is worth your vulnerability and who is not. Mm. Just because someone is not worth your vulnerability doesn't make them like not a good friend. They can still be your friend, but the people that are worth your vulnerability, those are the people that I tend to open up more about like, hey, I had kind of a rough day. Can I talk you talk to you while I'm driving home and you let me know if this is too much and if I need to shut up or anything? And sometimes me and a friend or two, we will be on Bluetooth while driving wherever we are, just talking and processing about how we are feeling. And if I can't do that with a human, that's why I have all of my journals. <laughs> um, another thing that I have found, which this is not everybody, but I wanted to be able to give back in a different way outside of therapy. So we talked a little bit about this before we recorded. Um, I wanted to do something of service that mattered. And I could not find anything outside of being on a board, which I did not want to do. <laughs> All that responsibility. All that responsibility and have to put on regular clothes and everything and be boring. Um, <laughs> regular clothes suck. I wanted to do something that mattered to me. And I am an animal lover. So I volunteered with ACCT, it's an uh, animal shelter here in Philadelphia. And I became a foster mom. And I fostered this beautiful little kitten named, her first name was Nami, but I changed it to Naomi Campbell. Um, she was born on my birthday last year. And uh, I think it was just meant to be because she was just born on my birthday. And that was a way in which I wanted to give back, taking care of this tiny little thing that was so different from taking care of people in a different way. And she has been formally adopted since October. So that is also how I take care of myself, finding ways to give service that is a little bit different from the field that I am in. Sorry, I was planning a round of applause while you're talking. Go ahead. <laughs> Aww. Tell us the story about, um, you know, that you shared with me in your questionnaire about, you know, how it was when you first adopted your cat or Naomi. I, I, I forget exactly what I typed, but her backstory, she was born on my birthday, which mm -hmm. is July 8th. And that was a Friday. And from what they told me when I went to go pick her up, 
um, was that she was found in the middle of the night by an animal police officer. And I'm like, how did he find this little cat? She was the size of my thumb in the middle of the night and she's dark. She's black and gray. I'm like, how did you see her? How did you find this one solitary kitten? No other kittens, no mom, whatever. Wow. And the running joke is that um, her first experience was in the back of a cop car because he took her straight to ACCT. <laughs> they have like these animal police cars here in Philly. And um, they put her picture up in the uh, ACCT uh, Facebook group that is just for the foster parents. And I just looked at her and I'm like, I'm going to get this cat. So I messaged them like, can I come get Nami? They're like, yeah, sure. And they didn't know what I looked like because I uh, messaged them from my personal Facebook. So they thought I was going to be like a little old lady that just wanted to nurse a kitten. Um, and they saw like, oh, you're very young for this. I'm like, I'm not that young. They're like, look. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So I ran home and I had a client at five o'clock and I get home and I'm like, my client, I'm like, oh, I just made it. I'm so sorry. I just came from the animal shelter. And she's like, what were you doing at the animal shelter? And I told her, I, I picked up a kitten and I'm, I'm nursing the kitten while I'm talking to you. She goes, let me see this kitten. <laughs> I show her this tiny little kitten, it's the size of my thumb, drinking from a bottle that's like twice the size of her. And that kind of became the momentum where everyone met Naomi Campbell from being this size and all of my clients have watched her grown over the past like six next week seven months um and now that she is a full-grown kitten and makes her appearances on sessions oftentimes she can tell when people might be anxious mm. distressed crying and I think it's cute and a lot of my clients think it's hilarious they're like if I start crying is Naomi gonna pop her head in the camera like probably <laughs> so Naomi's like my co-therapist now because this say, is you can't license <laughs> she needs to be she needs to finish her hours because I think this is all she knows she knows yoga meditation and therapy <laughs> so your cat's getting preventative care too excellent parenting yes I mean, outside of like the Cardi B, she do like her some Cardi B, but yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Gotta have some Cardi Those B. Those first two weeks were hard taking care of a newborn kitten that still had their umbilical cord. And somehow we found the only way to get her to sleep was a bottle and a vibration from Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion music on her little bassinet that we had made. So that, that's her Cardi B joke. Wow. That is a wild combination. She is a wild cat. <laughs> so you have a licensed cat who likes Cardi B, Meg Thee Stallion, and drink from bottles. Hmm. Naomi needs to write a book. Knowing her, she probably will one day. <laughs> I think she'll oh, Jennifer, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me and just sharing so much. Before I let you go, is there anything that you wanted to make sure you touched on or talked about before I let you get out of here today? I do have one thing, and um, I think this podcast will probably air after our first event. But in regards to me mentioning taking over the United States, um, I have started a meetup group. Um, if you go on Meetup and you search for BIPOC-focused therapy groups and events, mm -hmm. um, the main location is Winco PA for that. Um, we will be doing online free and low-cost virtual events via Meetup. Um, we're going to try to do at least one a month, and they're all going to be different topics that are aimed at the BIPOC community. 
our first one is actually tomorrow night, which is February the 8th, a week ahead of Valentine's Day. And it's called Girls Need Love Too, BIPOC Women Coping with Being Single. But we plan on doing other events that might be focused on mental health, events that might be focused for the gentlemen out there as well too, events that will be focused for the LGBT community, events that are focused for new moms or people trying to become moms or anything like that. So we're gonna be giving a little mix for everyone throughout the year. And again, these events are gonna be free or extremely low cost via meetup. So we hope to see as many people that we can touch and just try to give a little bit something back to the people that we are not legally able to treat because of a licensure restriction. So if you are in California, if you're in Oregon, if you're in North Dakota, if you're in Georgia, through these events, we can give you some education, some tips, some coping skills, and something that might be geared to you. So we hope to see people at these events throughout the year. I will definitely make sure, make sure you share those links. Um, I'll post them somewhere, social media, my website somewhere. I want to do that. Yes, y'all, by the time you hear this, the first event will have passed because we drop on Thursday. Sorry. But like she just said, at least once a month. So make sure you keep up. And uh, Jennifer, I'm going to post all of your socials. Do you want to shout your socials out? I'm going to post them all in the description. Oh, what are my socials? I'm bad at social media. Okay, so I'll just post <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> I'm bad at mine too. Like I say them every episode, but sometimes I have to stop and be like, uh, what's that other one? But all of your information will definitely be in the description. Y'all check her out. Follow her. She posts great content. I mean, she inspired an entire episode of the podcast with the green flags. And I learned something new, brought her on the show, and she just taught you something new. So the value is already there. Put some more positive stuff on your timeline replace three four five six fifteen negative things with this positive person you have three pages too the, the one is my personal don't share that one uh-uh. she has two, my, she has two and a half pages that's where my dirty jokes go don't put that one okay on. y'all won't get the personal page but uh thank you again for joining us where's my exit music there we go uh, <laughs> man there you have it ladies and gentlemen we promote positivity over here. This is what we do. This is how we do it. I hope you learn something that will help you in your day-to-day life. I hope that you took some nuggets home with you. I hope that you share them. I hope you continue to follow the podcast. We're going to do some great things. We're going to continue to have spectacular guests. I am not going to wait. Was it How many years has it been? 28? I can't suck it, man. Let me see. One, two, three, four. Five years. Yo, five <laughs> years. <laughs> it is not going to be five years before you're back on here again. I promise you. I, I'm going to holler at you again this year because you're probably going to win some more awards and do something awesome that I'm going to see on social media and I'm going to bring you back. But <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we love y'all. Take care of yourselves. What, what do I say? Oh my gosh, I'm having a day. Take care of yourself physically, mentally, financially, and we'll catch y'all next time. Peace. <laughs>